He grew up in the oil fields of West Texas. He's been all over the Western Hemisphere, a radio and TV veteran, former restaurateur, and a cowboy at heart. He's Earl Farrell, and he calls Memphis home because Memphis is cool. This is the Earl Farrell for Memphis show, brought to you by Southern Security, your home team credit union, and by Kathy Thurman Edwards State Farm Insurance. And now, here's your host, Earl Farrell. Uh, thank you very much, and uh, welcome in on this uh, Monday morning, the 10th of July, and I uh, hope everything in your world is in order. There are still uh, folks without electric power. In fact, there are 7,967 to be exact, uh, and it's pretty much uh, throughout the county. So uh, if you're back on, consider yourself lucky. Uh, uh, there was just a tremendous amount of damage has been done over the last three or four weeks, and... Um, it just it's taken a while to get everything rectified. Uh, there is an accident I do want to tell you about. It's on I-240 at, at 40 eastbound, uh, and it's backing up traffic in the eastbound lanes by 240 all the way back uh, almost to Poplar. So keep that in mind. There's also uh, on Sam Cooper Bridge, a replacement, two lanes um, are open, uh, but they got two lanes uh, kind of shut down, so be aware of that. That's on Sam Cooper Otherwise, uh, it's green for go all over the uh, interstate interstate system. Uh, uh, We did have some weather this weekend. It rained a lot, uh, and apparently there were some people that were uh, power lines were down and and without again. uh, We we stayed up out in Collierville. Uh, Still, a lot of trees, uh, uh, limbs were down. I noticed the, the. Cleanup crews came through today to haul away the debris, and uh, everybody had some, so they shared equally. Still a lot of trees down, big, huge branches down near where I live. They just haven't gotten to them yet. Uh, The bigger they are, and if it's not causing a problem, they're letting those lay until they get the step out of the way so people can get in and out of their homes, and also if they're laying on lines or anything like that. So... Uh, and then up in the northeast, a lot of the systems that came through here are up there now causing uh, severe flooding. Uh, and uh, up in West Point, where the uh, military academy is, the uh, flooding in that area and moving further northeast. Uh, so everybody's getting to share in that. Then the heat out west and down south uh, is really something. And so there's a little bit of action going on just about everywhere. Uh, in the world of... Uh, of news, uh, the president is over in England. So I'm reviewing the troops of Buckingham Palace, Palace with the King this morning. Uh, he was out in front of the King, walking in front of the um, all the palace guards in their bare hats and their red jackets. They looked amazing. Joe looked like he was sleepwalking. I mean, his arms hanging straight down at his sides, uh, fingers pointing straight down. Then you look right behind him was King uh, Charles, and he's walking along and uh, lucid. Uh, you know, you can just tell by his eyebrows, facial expressions. Joe's got his mouth hanging halfway open, and I mean, it's sad. I mean, that is the that is the president of the United States, and he just looks like he's totally out of it. Um, and th- there was a picture of him over the weekend at some point when he was in uh, Delaware at the beach. And he's sitting out there, he's got his shirt off, and he's sitting on a towel, has a ball cap on. And all these, I guess, just regular people are sitting around him. 
nobody's going over to say hi. I mean, there are no crowds standing around applauding him as he's sitting there. And then I saw another clip of uh, Trump uh, entering, I guess it was a WWE competition somewhere. The place was packed. I mean, you know, all the way to the ceiling. He just walks out on the floor and they, everybody stands up and are cheering. I mean, it was like uh, it was one of his rallies, but it wasn't. It was just a WWE uh, competition, but he just showed up. And he gets a standing ovation, but nobody voted for him. And so, you know, 81 million said uh, Joe's their guy, but nobody will come out of the woodwork now to even applaud him. And uh, as the uh, situation over the cocaine found in the White House, I mean, this has been going on now over a week. I talked to a number of my friends in law enforcement, and I said, what would be the longest this would go before you guys would be able to tell who the coke belonged to? If you got the baggie and whoever handled that baggie has DNA and fingerprints so they could lift. And he said, uh, 16 hours, 24 max. 24 hours max. If you got DNA, you got fingerprints possibilities, You've got cameras everywhere. Uh, one guy I talked to used to work in the White House. He said a mouse can't get in that place that they don't know about. A mouse, probably even smaller than that, and that uh, they would they they not only know who it is, but the fact that they haven't released it yet means chances are we're never going to know. This is going to be like all those other stories, like the the people that leaked uh, the information out about the Supreme Court and their upcoming ruling. Uh, we're going to get to the bottom of this. Well, evidently they did, and they didn't like what the answer was, so never a word was spoken. And that's what usually happens in D.C. When no word comes out, that means that it ain't coming out, that it's somebody there on uh, for or in whoever they're against. It just it ain't happening. So don't look for anything on the cocaine to ever be released. That, that story is going to be just left alone. The, the media, they are asking a lot more questions. I have to give them that. Um, now I guess they're just embarrassed about it, but uh, yeah, the you're seeing more and more articles actually, and, and op-ed pieces coming out about Joe and different things. You got the the cocaine that's out there, then of course you got Hunter and uh, all the corruption coming out over the business deals. Still lots of uh, talk about that, and uh, then this new article just uh, Biden reportedly fumes and spews and curses at his staff and private. They say no one is safe. Uh, it said President Biden's quick temper leaks out from behind the carefully curated Uncle Joe persona. And it said that he has a short temper and frequently lashes out at staff members with profanity-laden rants if they do not meet his expectations, according to a new Axios report. One official in the administration told the outlet that no one is safe from Biden's wrath. Aides are reportedly known to meet him in groups of two or more to defuse the potential tension. Nobody wants to get caught in there and have him zero in on just you with no place to hide. Uh, some of the, the president's attacks include how the uh, blank, don't you know this, and don't blanking bull blank me. Aides have framed the outburst as a desire for accuracy and competence, telling the outlet that, that many see getting shouted out by the president is a rite of passage. Oh, it's an honor. <laughs> when was the last time you had a boss cussing at you and you went, oh, I feel honored. That was, I feel, I'm going to call my wife and tell him I just got the, the, the big attaboy for the president. 
He said, if there's something that's not in the brief, he's going to be, he's going to find it, said Ted Kaufman, Biden's chief of staff when he was in the Senate. It's not to embarrass people. Oh, heavens no. It's because he wants to get to the right decision. Most people who have worked for him like the fact that he challenges them and gets them to do a, do a better job. All right. So, uh, and then this other article that comes out, uh, this one is by, uh, I think it was also Axios. Uh, that was the article there. The name of that was Old Yeller, not the dog, but just the old guy yelling. And then uh, Maureen Dowd, who is an op-ed writer for the New York Times, came out with an article uh, saying it's seven grandchildren, Mr. President, because he, he's always talking about he has six grandchildren, but he's pretty much forgotten all about the one that's in Arkansas, that they just had a big... Uh, the uh, child support payments were reduced from twenty grand to five thousand a month. Well, they don't do that for somebody that ain't your son's child, you know. But they prove maternity did uh, paternity test, and it is Joe or Hunter Biden's child, Joe's grandchild. They refuse to admit it. So Maureen Dowd, and this is the New York Times, comes out with an article condemning him for it, saying it's just despicable that he would do this. And then, <laughs> this is what I love. And then Whoopi Goldberg, who is on The View, one of my personal favorite shows, uh, try never to miss it, but I keep missing it. I don't know how that happens. Uh, but the hosts of The View were overly impre- were not overly impressed by the New York Times columnist Maureen Dowd's latest opinion, calling out President Biden's treatment of grandchildren. In fact, women largely agreed that Dowd needs to find something else to write about. <laughs> we love the New York Times until they talk about about than somebody they like. In the column down, criticizes the president for typically referring to my ex, my six grandchildren in his speeches. Then he actually has seven. And seventh child belongs to his son, Hunter, and was reportedly conceived at a time when he was severely struggling with addiction, according to Dowd. The president is callously scarring that little girl's life by not acknowledging her, which I agree. How could you not do that? But according to Whoopi Goldberg, Dowd should be uh, helping out Hunter, not uh, condemning him, considering the child in question was, is actually his and not Joe Biden's. To that, the View host largely agreed. But overall, Whoopi argued that the column shouldn't have been written at all. I'm just sorry, you know, that these things are for me. When you start talking about people's families, what they're doing for me, I find it unnecessary, Goldberg said. This is not... Anybody's business. Nobody needed to know about this. This is private. He's the son of the president of the United States. The president talks about his grandchildren all the time, except for that one, which for some reason he's decided to uh, cut out of the uh, family. Uh, I guess they don't, they don't want to have to share some of their uh, Biden family fortune that they're going around the world collecting. So. Anyway, we'll keep you up to date on all that and more. We're going to take a break right now, so stay with us. And welcome back. Well, you wonder if the uh, boycotts around the country are continuing to work. I was uh, reading this weekend that uh, Bud Light, they're selling now cheaper than water. (laughs) You can go get uh, a six-pack of water uh, is now more expensive than a six-pack of Bud Light. So they're hoping just discounting it uh, will attract to the thrifty of those out there. And then uh, 
uh, the uh, people that have been boycotting uh, Ben and Jerry say they supposedly have lost $2 billion since they came out with their idea to give back. Uh, anybody that's living on land that once belonged to the Indians or the Native Americans, you should give it back, including Mount Rushmore. And now it has apparently come out that uh, Ben and Jerry's uh, national headquarters, <laughs> that's right, ladies and gentlemen, it's sitting right on some land once owned by the Indians. <laughs> uh, no comment from them, though. They're, uh, they're, they're mum on the situation. I guess they're eating that ice cream before it melts because they're going to be like uh, Bud Light. They're going to have all this ice cream. <laughs> I guess you can just keep ice cream frozen for as long well, I think eventually it crystallizes. Uh, it turns into those ice crystals. Cause I've found ice cream like that in my freezer before. And then uh, Walt Disney, I mentioned this last week, the Walt Disney World crowds vanish. The parks uh, at their empty, are their emptiest in 10 years. Uh, we went, gosh, how many years ago? It's probably been 10, 15 years ago. We all went to spend seven days at Disney World, which you ought to get some kind of medal for that. We could, and we could have bought a, a dozen medals for that. I can promise you that. It ain't cheap. Uh, but it was packed. It was in the summer, and my Kathy and the kids and me and her brother and another couple and their two kids and my, and Kathy's parents, and we we really had a good time. It was good, just fun being with them and experiencing it all together. But the place was uh, hopping. Uh, it was, you know, you had to. We took turns going and getting tickets for the next ride while we were fishing one up so we could get those uh, rapid uh, rapid tickets or whatever you call them. And um, had a good time. But since then, they've done a lot of things that really angered people. And so people just aren't going. I mean, think of who is the crowd that goes to Disney World, Walt Disney, goes to Disney Films. and It's families. They buy them for their families. And then they have this big gay day every year, which last time I checked, most of the gay people in the LGBTQ crowd don't have children. There's a few that do adopt. But it's not your major family-oriented uh, crowd. And so when they have the gay day or LGBTQ day at Disney World, and they don't tell everybody else, and the, these people have saved up, you know, sometimes for years to get there, and then they get there, and everybody's going around in uh, in thongs holding hands and you're trying to explain to your kiddos what's going on. But when you visit Walt Disney World today, um, you know what you're expecting, big lines, but what they're finding is that uh, the, the time to wait for a ride now is almost non-existent. You just walk up and just climb on, climb on board. So if you ever wanted to go to Disney World, now would be the time to go. Inside the Magic has previously reported Disney World has been something of a traffic decline in 2023. While Memorial Day weekend is usually a pack-like-sardines kind of situation at the Magic Kingdom, videos shared online showed a much emptier park than anticipated. Even Disney's admitted that visitation is lower than usual. Disney Parks and Resort Chairman Josh Diamaro confirmed in May that Walt Disney World is uh, seeing a... Uh, uh, declined in visitors. Uh, in the past, wait times at Magic Kingdom and Epcot, which are typically the busiest parks on July the 4th due to their patriotic fireworks display, have pushed three hours. This year, the average wait time at Magic Kingdom was just 26 minutes, while Epcot's was 17 minutes. The entire resort longest average wait time for Magic Kingdom's Seven Dwarfs Mine Train. <laughs> that was a big attraction. The Seven Dwarfs. That took 79 minutes, so... 
they're obviously feeling the impact of all of it. Um, and, uh, you know, I was at uh, Target this weekend. I had to get a, have a TV I have outside. And uh, it uh, went the way of the wind and uh, had audio but no video, which kind of makes it radio instead of television. But So um, I looked around and Target had the best deal. So I had been in Target quite some time, certainly not since they were had their LGBTQ and trans exhibits uh, for children. And I went there and apparently, they I don't know where it is now, but it wasn't next to the women's department, which is where my uh, people I've talked to said they saw it last. And... Um, I did uh, recall. I went. I was trying to f- uh, find a, uh, some attachments uh, to the uh, to the kind of collapsible uh, framework that uh, you put the TVs on outside. You can move them around. And I walked up some people that were working in the store in the TV department to see if they could tell me where I might find them. And apparently, I stepped into a no-go zone because this young man yelled at me. Said, "You can't come back behind the counter." I went, oh, okay, I got you. Can you tell me where I can find this stuff? No, it's not in this department. I said, but it's a TV bracket. I mean, it's where you sell TVs here. Don't you sell brackets here as well? Uh, you need to check with hardware. <laughs> okay. So I never did find those. Eventually, I found them at a hardware store uh, by hunting and pecking. Uh, but Target did have the best price on a um, Vizio 32-inch uh, flat-screen HD. 1080p HD. So if you're looking for one of those, uh, but check your uh, screws for your for an outside mount if you're looking to mount it on a wall or something because the ones it comes with uh, didn't work. Let me just for the if you were going to put feet on it, but that's not where I was going with that. So at any rate, um, uh, I don't think the exhibit there is at Target anymore. We'll see what happens there. I did go to the restrooms. Remember they used to have the restrooms in the back and there was all that stuff about it. Then anybody can go in anybody's restroom. Now there's clearly marked men and women, and they were very clean. They've moved them up to the front of the store now, though, which I think is probably better because usually when I got to go, it's when I first get there. You know, you don't just all of a sudden sit there after you've been there 30 minutes and go, hey, I got to go to the bathroom. At any rate, uh, then looking at some of the headlines, they say Gavin Newsom is watching Fox every night and being obsessed with it. Even though he says he hates it, he, watch, he watches it every night. He's like a train wreck. And he, remember last week I was saying when they found the cocaine, I said, this is what I think is going to happen. They're going to try to hang the cocaine bag on Kamala Harris. And speaking of Kamala, has anybody seen her lately? She's been missing in action since her last fruit salad uh, comments when she giggled and laughed over seemingly nothing. And I said, if you look at the way she acts, that's sort of like somebody that's on some kind of drugs. And her approval rate is even lower than Joe's. I mean, it's down like around 17%. And the only person I know of lower than Joe's approval rating, which is hovering around 30 now, is uh, the Prime Minister of England. He's at like minus three. So there is worse news out there. We're going to take a break. We've got uh, Randy Hutchinson with the Better Business Bureau up next. Stay with us. Now, back to the Earl Farrell for Memphis show, brought to you by Southern Security, your home team credit union, and by Kathy Thurman Edwards State Farm Insurance. Once again, Earl Farrell. And thank you very much, and welcome back. Joining me here in the studio is uh, Randy Hutchison with the Better Business Bureau, and today we're talking about 
Uh, I mean, COVID is uh, kind of come and gone. I mean, there's still people talking about it, but uh, there's other people out there that are still trying to rip people off with in different ways, and uh, the FTC is uh, tracking those people down. Well, and, and you make a good point. While, knock on wood, the, the COVID pandemic certainly is not what it was two or three years ago, um, the scammers just took advantage of COVID. They'll take advantage of other uh, uh, diseases or other problems to promote products that, that make false claims about their ability to treat them. Uh, so, well, again, we're going to be talking about some specific COVID, bogus COVID claims here. The advice that we finish up with will apply to most any miracle healthcare care product. Um, uh, what's a little bit unique in this case, the FTC, since the pandemic began, has sent over 400 warning letters to companies saying, we've looked at your website, we've looked at your social media, we've looked at your advertising, and you are making claims that unless you have substantiation, and nobody ever came back with substantiation, I don't think, the FTC knew they didn't have it, but so unless you have substantiation, you've got to stop making these claims. Most of the companies got the word, stop making the claims. We've talked over the last couple of years about a few who did not, and eventually the FTC landed on them, sued them, and they ended up settling. Uh, in this case, uh, uh, one of the letters, uh, I think a year or so ago, went to an outfit called Dutera that uh, markets uh, dietary supplements and other products through multi-level marketing. So they sell through a network of distributors. The FTC advised uh, the, the, the company itself, you are also responsible for any unsubstantiated claims that your distributors make. And apparently either uh, Duterra or the company didn't take it to heart, or at least certainly some of their distributors didn't. And in March, uh, the FTC settled lawsuits against three current or former distributors of its products that were making bogus claims. What made this perhaps even a, a little more, a little worse, is all three of the people that they settled the, the charges with were medical professionals. Okay? Uh, one was a nurse, is a nurse, one is a nurse practitioner, one's a pediatrician. And so they sort of made matters even worse by saying, you know, I'm a doctor, I'm a nurse, I'm a healthcare professional, I can assure you that these products that we're peddling will work to prevent, treat, or cure. I don't know which it said, but somehow it would treat COVID. So the fact that there are medical professionals uh, just uh, kind of made matters worse. Uh, one of the claims they made, uh, I think this was the pediatrician, uh, to quote, there's lots of studies that show that oregano is effective against a coronavirus, which is the family that COVID is in. Had only all of us known <laughs> over those two or three very terrible years that oregano. If we'd only known. If we'd only <laughs> known that. Uh, and, and again, there were other claims that were equally uh, outrageous. Uh, and, and while the, the pandemic itself is, I, I don't know if receding is the right word, healthcare professionals would have to provide the right word, but certainly some people are still struggling with what's called long COVID. Yeah. Uh, and uh, two of these three people also said the products were effective in treating long COVID. Uh, and there are certainly people who are just struggling and hoping to find some miracle cure to, to finally get them away from this, uh, the effects of this disease altogether. Uh, so here's the advice. And, and again, the advice, some of it's specific to 
COVID claims, but much of it just keep in mind for any sort of a miracle healthcare product. Uh, you can visit the FDA, the Food and Drug Administration's website, to learn about any treatments for COVID uh, that have that uh, they have determined uh, have some whatever degree of effectiveness. Be skeptical of miracle healthcare claims. In particular, there are no dietary supplements proven to treat or prevent COVID. Uh, when there's a medical breakthrough, if there's a medical breakthrough, when there's a medical breakthrough, you're not going to hear it first through some multi-level marketing person or ad or other sales pitch. It's going to be front page news. Um, if you're curious about a product, think so, you see something, uh, read about it, hear about it, uh, you think might work, talk to your doctor, talk to your health care provider about it, uh, and just remember that unproven products and treatments might be dangerous, might be dangerous on their own, but also you never know that there are some that may have ingredients that interact negatively with other medications that a healthcare professional has provided to you. Uh, so just be careful of picking up any uh, dietary supplement, again, particularly one that, that promotes uh, these miracle healthcare claims. I remember way back <clears throat> when, 2019, when this whole thing first started coming out, and that was the warning you kept putting out then, yeah. that if there's a, if they find a cure for this, we're going to know it, and it's not going to come from some guy selling snake oil. Yeah. And, well, and also, um, I don't know about this company. Again, this company's products were sold through a mel- uh, multi-level marketing, uh, you know, like like uh, uh, Amway or Avon, those are all legit companies. Sure. I, I don't want to accuse them by association, but that's people are more familiar with the, those sorts of multi-level marketing. They're legit. Uh, this Duterra outfit, I'm not familiar with them, but they may be legit, but just may have had some people get carried Make away. Make some claims um, that they could back But up. folks need to also understand that uh, simply because a product is sold uh, at a local uh, uh, reputable drugstore doesn't mean that it works. Uh, the Food and Drug Administration uh, does not evaluate, test, or approve dietary supplements before they hit the market. The FTC does not approve the advertising. Both of them generally come in after the fact if they get reports that unfounded claims are being made, that perhaps people are being harmed. In the FTC's case, if they see, uh, again, miracle health care claims at this pill is going to treat. I mean, we've talked about uh, dietary supplements that supposedly would treat uh, cancer, Alzheimer's, uh, Parkinson's, COVID, everything. Same yeah. pill, just an exact. <laughs> one one <clears throat> uh, pill cures all. Uh, uh, I do want to mention, too, that there's still a lot of people, we, were, we talked about at the beginning of the show, over 7,000 people, 7,967, still without power. Yeah. There's still a lot of uh, around the area, and uh, uh, to warn people about uh, people showing up and saying we'll get cleared all the debris, chop down the tree that's hanging over there. Check these people out and don't pay them in advance. Check them out. That's both good pieces of advice. Check them out. Take your time. Check them out with us. It's quick, easy. Um, uh, don't pay them in advance. Uh, sometimes they'll ask for the full amount in advance uh, if they'll only accept cash. Uh, I, you know, some of the things we talk about here, any one of them is, is a red flag. All of them ought to be deal killers, okay? Somebody who only accepts payment in cash, uh, be wary. If they want it up front, another red flag. Look at the, the uh, truck or vehicle they pull up in. Uh, sometimes these folks 
are what we call storm chasers, that they travel from natural disaster to natural disaster. And, and as soon as they do the work for you and collect the money, you may find that they didn't do the work yeah. and they've left town. So yeah. there are, <clears throat> the, the, the truth is probably the good, reputable tree companies are prob- probably have a lot of business right now. They may not be able to get to you immediately, but just be careful. Somebody who knocks on the door and says, well, I can take care of you immediately. There may be a reason for that. Also, there's uh, some people evidently going around uh, impersonating MLG and W uh, yeah. people, uh, but they will have IDs that are that are on their. They have to wear a vest of one of those uh, chartreuse um, reflective vests. Well, that, and a, a common scam that's been around for years. Uh, we're doing stories on Daniel Irwin is uh, doing a story on it uh, with a, another station, or the, the, what we call the MLG and W scam that you get a call. Uh, businesses in particular are most susceptible to this scam, but um, uh, they get a call and say, this is MLG and W, you didn't pay your bill. Uh, if you don't uh, give me uh, uh, you know, a wire transfer immediately or your credit card number or go generally once you go buy a, a gift card, right. prepaid debit card, call them back with the numbers. Um, those are scams, but, but some businesses and some people, uh, you know, if, it's, if, if, if it's about to be dinner hour, Busiest time of the day, a restaurant owner may panic, or these days, uh, as high as it is, if they call and say, we're going to turn your power off, some people will think, maybe it's just a mistake, let me go ahead and pay and sort it out later, but it's a scam, and it is a year-round scam. Well, and the thing that freaks out so many businesses is they do it on the weekends when there's nobody, you can't call them middle GWC if they're legit. And they're threatening to cut it off within the hour. And, and, so, and again, you know, we, we as we also talk about, most people, most business owners, most consumers know better. But these crooks are also business people. They're generally overseas crime rings in many cases. But uh, they're not going to keep uh, peddling their product, which is the scam, if they're in somebody falling for it. Yeah. They're not going to keep making these phone calls if uh, if some if they don't make at some point along the way, a, a sale, if you will, a sale in this case being somebody falls for it. I did talk to somebody out in Texas over the weekend that, uh, that had bought solar panels from a company out there. It turned out uh, they went out of business, and it turns out they were like, kind of a, a bogus company. But they went to check with the, the Better Business Bureau and said, did you have any reports on them? They said, we did, but they responded, so they had like a B rating. Yeah, if the company, without knowing more about the company, it's hard to comment on. I mean, if the company responds to gets complaints, doesn't get an outrageous number of complaints, we we tend to be more concerned with how they respond. Bigger companies get more complaints than smaller companies, although in deference to many companies don't get complaints at all. But if they had a B rating, then something else was going on there. Generally, they, they either had to be a new, relatively new company and or they had to have too many complaints. Uh, uh, I don't know what else. Most well-established companies that don't get an unusual number of complaints are going to have an A to A plus rating. I also don't know, it would be interesting to know whether the company was a member or not, an accredited business or not. Yeah, I think they were, but they were a new member and that uh, they did respond to the BBB there, but in the meantime, they kept selling these things. And then they were evidently in cahoots with the finance company and that if you take these uh, panels off the house or do anything to them, modify them anyway, they voids the warranty. And so then the, the so it, the thing is 
check people out and do if if there's a B rating, there's a reason there's a B rating. Yeah. Check that out. Well, if they were a company, if they if they were a member, let, let's say there have been good companies around here, been in business for 50, 60 years, all of a sudden go out of business. Yeah. And generally when they go out of business, they go out of business leaving problems. Uh, but for a company to be relatively new and go out of business that quick, uh, I don't know enough about the, the facts, but right. it's, uh, uh, you know, I tell people all the time, I, I can't guarantee that you will never have a problem with a member of the Better Business Bureau or the accredited business as we call them. What I can tell you is you're less likely to than a non-member. And you're more likely to get the problem resolved. Yeah. Okay? But I can't give anybody 100% guarantee because things change. Yeah. I tell it to my wife all the time. There is no 100% guarantees out there. Well, unfortunately, <laughs> even good companies, yeah. long-established companies, things happen. And uh, they may have had a great record for uh, not necessarily this company, but I've seen companies here have had a great record for a long, long time. And then the market turns on them. There's a change in ownership. Uh, something happens. And all of a sudden, uh, good co- and, and unfortunately, not always, but sometimes when they go bad, they go bad in a hurry and yeah. big. Yeah, that's, <clears throat> that's the way broke works. <laughs> yep. Yep. Randy Hutchinson, thank you, sir. All right, we're going to take a quick break, and then we'll be right back. Welcome back. I uh, do want to point out a couple of traffic situations. They got one on I-40 in the, it's I-40, it's an accident westbound on the, at uh, Witten Road. Uh, so that's tunneling things up uh, in the westbound lane. They got another one uh, that is at I-240 East at I-40 and it's backing things up. And then a little slowdown on Germantown Parkway for the same reason. There's always one there. But uh, so just be aware of those. And also, we still got about 9,000 people, or actually 7,967 without power. So uh, MLGW is working on that, but they haven't gotten there yet. Uh, joining me in the studio right now is uh, Josh Hammond. He's the owner of Buster's Liquor. And he's uh, good to we'll talk a couple of things, really. Uh, broken Bottle, Operation Broken Bottle, which, I mean, everybody knows about the, the big smash and grabs that they did on you guys. Uh, that was, uh, are you hearing headset? I hear anything now? Nope. I, there we I, go. I oh, you got it? Okay. We're in. We're back in the ball game. Uh, that they, actually it was over a year ago in August that they broke into the first time. It was. <laughs> On and, election night of all things. Yeah. In fact, they had uh, the new DA was elected, and they immediately broke into your liquor store. Yeah, the DA, were... the DA celebrated across the street, <laughs> and uh, hours later, fifteen guys broke into our store. I guess the party was over. <laughs> it was, or maybe just getting started. Um, it did create quite a juxtapose um, to uh, to the evening, I suppose, and and then where we are, really, um, you know, almost a year later, uh, there's been a lot of developments, right, with the. Operation Broken Bottles. Can you hear me? Yeah, there you go. There we go. You get. It's a very directional bike. There you go. So anyhow, interesting that there's a, a lot of development since, right? Um, we, we know there's been 100 liquor stores that have been broken into. That, since. Would, you, would you send me that? I was stunned. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, were you stunned when you heard there was 100 liquor stores? I mean, we knew there were a lot. I, I was thinking maybe a dozen. Yeah. No. Um, at that point, I was not surprised. I was surprised the first uh, break-in. Uh, in August of last year, I was told 
just a few days before they hit us that uh, there had been a ring that was going, you know, had been around town breaking into the liquor stores. And I said, how many? Like 12? And he goes, no, dude, it's like up to 30-something. Wow. And it turned out we were 45 at that time. So, you know, some good things have happened since then. We, we had several meetings with MPD, Metro Gang, Crime Stoppers, Buddy Chapman, and what he's doing there is, is just awesome. Um, I'd love to get a shout-out to him. But, you know, the retailers met with, with law enforcement uh, and uh, people from the DA's office. And, uh, you know, we, we told them what was happening and, and trying to help them solve these cases. And, and so uh, we had another meeting in February. And then that's when they privately announced to us retailers that they were doing a special task force uh, in conjunction with the DA's office that would uh, go after these folks. So um, we knew that was going to take four to six months of time to develop um, evidence so they could have some meaningful arrests and indictments. And we'll continue in a minute. We will. Uh, we're talking with Josh. Uh, and we're going to come back in a minute and talk about this Operation Broken Bottle and uh, some other big news he's getting ready to break. So stay with us. We'll be back. He grew up in the oil fields of West Texas. He's been all over the Western Hemisphere, a radio and TV veteran, former restaurateur, and a cowboy at heart. He's Earl Farrell, and he calls Memphis home because Memphis is cool. This is the Earl Farrell for Memphis show, brought to you by Southern Security, your home team credit union, and by Kathy Thurman Edwards State Farm Insurance. And now, here's your host, Earl Farrell. And thank you very much, and uh, welcome back on this uh, Monday afternoon. And I'm sitting here talking to Josh Hammond, who's the owner of of uh, Buster's Liquor, along with his brother. And uh, they inherited from their wonderful dad, who everybody uh, still remembers, uh, your dad. Uh, oh. And uh, what a great sense of humor. You certainly got that from him. Oh, well, thank you. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, he, he was always wanting to have fun that was his mission and, and he uh, succeeded he did he did um tomorrow is the six-year anniversary of his passing actually. is that right so, well yeah. funny we'd be talking about him right now then yeah uh, he uh i i knew him for years i always would see him out at the golf courses yeah and so i've never seen him out someplace the first time we didn't have his visor on because he had this visor and i thought your dad had <laughs> bleach blonde spiked hair <laughs> That is so funny. Earl, I just pulled that out yesterday. Did you really? I swear to goodness. I was in my closet cleaning everything out, um, and uh, I put it on and walked in and showed Lindsay, and she started laughing. Oh, because um, he uh, wore it. And there were people literally that never saw him off the golf course that thought that was he. Yeah, thought he had a hair. I yeah, thought he, he had, had tons of hair. <laughs> Bleach blonde. L- L- little did he know he was he was pretty much like me 20, 30 years ago, <laughs> trying to rub Rogaine on the top of his bald head, and it wasn't working. But you know what I've always said? Uh, hair is highly overrated. Well, uh, if you've got a personality, you're still in the game. <laughs> and, and to Dad's point, he uh, he looked at me at one point and was like, son, I, you don't need to worry about going bald. And I said, why is that? And he goes, you're just growing a solar panel for a sex machine. <laughs> I said, all right. <laughs> Let me write that one down, Dad. <laughs> Try I'm trying to forget it right now, but I'm writing it down. <laughs> uh, but Romney was a great guy and uh, a great golfer. Phil Morgan, who played golf with him all the time. Yeah, was supposed to play with him the day he that, passed away. That, you're exactly right. And uh, 
I think uh, your dad was the only guy that uh, let Phil cheat, too. <laughs> That's why he misses him so much. Well, Phil put up with him, I suppose, you know. Well, so yeah. he's a, well, he's a, likes to have fun. He was, dad was a fierce competitor out yeah, there on was. the tennis court or the golf, yeah. golf, golf course. Well, he, he was a good man and had Thank a great you. life. He'd be proud of what you guys have done with the place, too, because you, you didn't just uh, inherit it and sit on it. You've, you've grown the business uh, uh, and, and facing challenges like the break-ins, um, and we were in the middle of talking about that. Yeah. So tell us about Operation Broken Bottle. It, it, yeah, so just, just to bring you up to speed there, um, they put a task force together in February and, and told us retailers when we met with them that uh, they would need four to six months to put some – uh, evidence together, and they, uh, I've obviously since done that, and uh, a few Mondays ago, they made some really significant arrest um, with this Operation Broken Bottles, and I think there's 35 that have been arrested. Wow. And um, they've got multiple counts on them. More arrests are forthcoming and more uh, counts and indictments as well. And, um, you know, I think what us retailers really wanted to see was um, a couple of things. One, that, you know, action needed to be taken, right? right. I mean, these guys were continuing to hit the stores and, and, and victimize our community, and they seemed to do it um, with impunity. So, you know, uh, now that they've been arrested, uh, a lot of them have uh, some very high bail um, or bonds, I suppose, and uh, they're still in jail. So that part's good, and there has been um, – you know, they're, they're, this is subsided for now, right? I mean, there's been a lot less incidents, and uh, I haven't gotten the full report, but um, if any of this has continued. But, you know, the good thing is a lot of them that are the ringleaders are in jail. Yeah. And um, I think they're going to be facing their day in court and some serious jail time. And, you know, um, D.A. Mulroy actually called me on the 4th of July, and he said uh, he had been meaning to call since my editorial that was featured in the Daily Memphis. saw that, yeah. And, um, you know, that was speaking to this, right? We, mm-hmm. we need to see results. And, um, you know, our elected officials need to... Uh, they work for us. Yeah, well, yeah. And, you know, the, the community's crying out to them, right? And we need to sit there and say, you know, we need, we need change. We need, you know, to improve the situation and, and reduce crime. So, um, yeah, he, he, he had mentioned if I was uh, pleased with the results, and I said, yeah, absolutely, thank you. I mean, I really do appreciate the effort between his office and the MPD and Metro Gang for putting this task force together and, you know, making all these arrests. But, um, you know, I did say, you know, Steve, our, our work's not done. You yeah. know, they need their day in court. And, and they need to go away. And they need to go away. Because for a long time. It's the only thing that's going to serve as um, a deterrent. A deterrent. Absolutely. And, and, and a and strong then- message, right? Well, and then I've said that for some time that uh, when I moved here in 1978, crime was relatively low. I mean, it's just because people got arrested and they went away. Yeah. And, uh, and I've often said that if you committed a violent felony in Shelby County, you should not, you go away, do your time. You should never be allowed to come back in. Why, why should we live around criminals, you know, convicted yep. felons? They tell me it's unconstitutional. So I said, okay, <laughs> well, then send them away for a, a long time so that we don't have to put up with it. Yeah. I mean, nobody does. I don't yeah. care what color you are. Nobody wants them stealing everything we've got because they don't want to go out and work for it themselves. Yeah. And uh, I think they should do the same thing with car thefts and the No doubt about it. As they did with uh, the smash and grabs. I would be honestly shocked if there wasn't a task force already designed to go after these these, these uh, individuals that are doing the 
the car thefts and even the car jackings for that matter. But we, we you know, listen, that's not going to change until you send us cut some of them and send a strong message. That's yeah. not going to be tolerated because believe me, they all talk. And yeah. they said, you know, uh, Rob, on, Robbie went away for 40 years. Word on the street works. <laughs> There's <laughs> yes, no it. question. Ask anybody and, in law enforcement and they will tell you that kind of word on the street yeah. really does make an impact. When they but, were, when they were, no, we're not playing anymore. Yeah. That's when they, they find some other way of, uh, creating an income flow. Yeah. So I'm at, listen, I'm, I'm really encouraged. I mean, I know um, certain folks would, would rather see different people in different spaces, but I would rather work with the people we have. I would too. And, and the law enforcement, the DA's office, and the DA himself, um, let's work to, together to resolve these problems instead of fighting. And so, um, you know, I think you're going to start seeing a lot more of that. Um, you know, I know the, the 901 um, greater initiative is something that people need to be aware of and to see what they're doing. Um, there's some positive elements that are coming out of that, that it's very young and upstart right now, but it's to basically reduce crime and make a positive impact. So, um, I'm not a spokesman for it, but, um, I know it's something I've checked out and that, uh, you know, I want to encourage others to take a look at but it. You are well. a, you're a citizen, you're a businessman here. And, uh, we do have a voice and you do have yeah. a voice and you, and you use it. And I think you've done a, a good job of it. Uh, a lot of people sit around and say, I hope things get better. You don't just do that. You say, I'm going to make my voice heard. I'm going to let people know how I feel. And it, you got a call from Mueller. So, I mean, you yeah. know, yeah. you got, he knows who you are. And, uh, so, uh, let's talk a little bit about, we've talked about growth and what you've done with the business since you guys, you and your brother took over. Uh, you're getting ready to, to expand again. Yeah. Well, let's talk about fun stuff. Yeah. I'm telling you, I am tired about security for my store <laughs> from bollards to laminate glass. To... I didn't know what a ballard was until, uh, <laughs> bollard. You, you, is it bollard? Yeah. Until you got broken into that. I talked to a guy yeah. out of Seattle that was really, really good. I know, did he ever call you? Cause I said, uh, you, telling, he looked it up on the internet and saw where they had backed into your store. And he said, well, we got these that they're like. 10 feet in the ground. And he said, you can drive a Mack truck at 80 miles an hour. They ain't coming in. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, listen, it's all doable. It's just, you got to pay for it. Yeah. <laughs> so. But isn't it amazing though, that what used to be locked doors was enough. Yeah. And then it got to be, we're not even locked doors and you got to, they steal cars just to use them to break into a business. That's right. Then it's they pretty, leave that car there yeah. and get away with all the other stolen cars. Are in. It's, it's an, it's, it's an incredible enterprise. If they could just, I mean, from, you know, assembling a crew to stealing cars yeah. to breaking in and entering places and then turn around selling all the goods. Yeah. I mean, that's a business. I well, mean, they, it's they, organized crime. That's <laughs> very that's much what, so. That's it's what they call it. And, organized. Cause they didn't just uh, decide to leave the bar at closing time and go, Hey, what do you say we go yeah. knock off busters? Uh, that that was well organized. I, I saw the video. I mean, they yeah. all arrived at the same time. They all backed in. They all jumped out of the car, knocked out. I mean, it was uh, incredible. Yeah, it looked like uh, Dirty Dozen, uh, the movie. Uh, but let's get away from that. We're, sure. we're now talking about uh, doing new things, and you're going to expand in really a couple of different places. Yeah, so I think the first one people are kind of familiar with um, is just Buster's itself. We are going to put a second location out east at 240 and Poplar. Um, is it like right next to Olive Garden? Um, well, it's Ridgeway Trace. Okay. Okay, so in there's the Target on one side. Ah, and you've okay. got REI and you got Edwin Watts and just a little bit down from Edwin the Watts. The pop-up Halloween store was there. The pop-up Halloween store. That is the space and old staples. Um, it's it's daunting for us. It's a big space. It's 18,000 square feet. Wow. Um, so it's just a little bit bigger than what we have um, at Wh- Highland in Poplar. Which 
when years ago when I first got to know you and, and your dad, it was about a third of the space it is now. <laughs> yeah. You think how small it was then? Then every time somebody move out, you got to go yeah. and move into that space. And now you got the whole, just about the whole block. We really do. And, and with a, a recent addition that we're going to be, uh, I'll tell you in just a second. But what was always fun about that when we expanded there, uh, dad had a way of uh, building out the space, filling it up. And then in one day, he'd knock the wall down in between. And he used to love seeing people walk in the store and, like, look up and around. And what something was different. They couldn't really just place it. And, uh, like, it was, like, naturally growing. But Dude. they never saw the work being done. So um, a pretty cool method to expand in your retail operation. But, yeah, so we're excited to be out here in East Memphis. Um, and you said it's going to be a – Spirits, wine, so spirits. And it's full-blown liquor store. I mean, just, also, just like we have at Poplar and Highland. So, um, you know, there's just a lot of folks on that side of 240 that just won't travel into town. I mean, there's, you know, yeah, traffic's more dense. It takes longer to get back and forth. Um, we've got a lot of great customers over the years that have moved out east that aren't, you know, so it, it'd be a time to come home to them, so to speak. It's really funny. I got friends that live in Harbortown, downtown, Midtown. They won't come past uh, I-240. Yeah. And they got other friends that live like where I do it, like Collierville, Germantown, ain't going past I two forty the other way. Yeah, we're just creatures. So, we're creatures of habit, <laughs> you know. And they just won't do it. But yeah. uh, this will be. Uh, when do you plan on? Oh man, of course it's. So we hope by the end of the year. We've done a lot of planning already, and uh, bids are out, so to speak, and that we're working on the construction part of that, um, and and starting. Hopefully, get to that starting pretty soon. So it's it's always a moving target when you're talking about construction. Well, anybody's ever built anything, especially these days with supply and demand, you know, and, and then the price of everything has gone up. Yeah, so, we, we're learning that. <laughs> uh, we're talking with Josh Hammond, owner of Busters. We've got to take a quick break, come back, we're going to tell you about his other project that actually opened up even before the one in East Memphis. Yes. So stay tuned. We'll tell you about that. <laughs> And welcome back on this uh, Monday afternoon. Uh, in the studio with me is Josh Hammond, uh, the owner of Buster's Liquor, and uh, soon to be the uh, owner of Buster's Butcher Shop. Yeah, how about that? How about that? I mean, it's kind of perfect when you think about it. Uh, what do you do on Friday nights? You go, well, I got to stop by the liquor store, and then we got to go by and get some meat to, to cook out. Yep. And that's just a Friday or Saturday night thing. It's a tradition, and especially in the South. I don't know what they do up north. They go get some bratwurst, I guess. But, uh, but hey, you're going to be able to get some of that from us, too. Yeah, you were talking about cured meats, and that's what it is. Uh, what was it that, I mean, did you sit there and say the same thing? What we need is a, a place you can get quality meat from local area people. Yeah. Um, no, I, I tell you, first of all, how this idea really got off the ground was honestly very serendipitous. <laughs> I mean, I had been to a couple of conferences last year. Uh, found myself at the end of the evening talking to a couple of guys that had owned wine shops literally attached to a butcher shop and how successful it was. And I was like, man, I've, I've kind of in a way I've always wanted to do that. Lo and behold, another month goes by. Um, our landlord approaches us about, you know, the subway space. and, and uh, Next door to you. Yeah, I was like, I, you know, would you all like to do something with him? Like, I, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> I don't, I don't know what we'd do with it. We don't need more frontage for, you know, sales floor for busters or, or storage space. Um, we don't think that would be a good storage space. So she was like, and, and Laura, 
uh, Warren over at Lowe Properties, our, our property manager, been with us for so long. She was like, Josh, I remember you want to do a cheese shop and meat shop next to Buster's before wine went and grocery stores. We still think that'd be a great idea. <laughs> I'm doing it. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I said, give me a minute. Let me think about this over the weekend. And uh, I made a few phone calls and, and, and found uh, um, my first problem to open up a butcher shop is you need to find a butcher. <laughs> so, um, you know, I was able to uh, call Ryan Trim, have a conversation with him. Great restaurant tour in town and chef. And, uh, yeah, he... Uh, he was like, what are you doing? I said, I've got an idea, but I don't need a backer. I don't need a partner. Um, just need some advice. And uh, he said, uh, you know, he listened to it. He said, I love it. I think it's a great idea. What do you need me for? I said, butcher. <laughs> you know where I find one? That's my first problem. And uh, he gave me the name of a guy named Brad McCarley. Um, he is our head butcher, and uh, he's got a great resume from being at Porcelino's to Curb Market to um, – uh, Puck Food Hall or the uh, city block down there at Puck Food Hall. Yeah. So he's got a lot of great experience in this particular, you know, field of, uh, well, the thing is you don't think about it, but finding a butcher, that's a craft. Yes. And it is, uh, they're, they're, they're not cranking them out. No, no. So. But what I love about Brad is he's, we, we, we relate really well. We're basically the same age and, and, uh, we just hit it off from the, from the first conversation. Um, and he's been with us on the, you know, build out phase and the planning. Um, he's just been so instrumental about this, but yeah, so he's got great knowledge, great experience, and he's also kind of a chef too, right? So he's been running salt and soy restaurant for the last few years, uh, with Nick Scott of alchemy and it's down there on broad. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, he's been doing a great job there. So he's got this chef background that's going to offer a different element to, you know, his abilities to communicate with people coming in, and, and buying meats. Well, we were talking about that during the break. We all like to think of ourselves as kind of chefs, you know, yeah. guys. I mean, that's our territory is grilling out and smoking. But there's always, you always think you know everything. Then you see something, you go, I never heard of that before. Yeah. And this would be somebody you can want not only come in and, and, and help them uh, and tell them what you're looking for exactly. They can teach you about aged meats. They can teach you about different cuts. They can teach you different techniques of what you want to do. So it really is a, it's, it's, it's an education as well as a resource. Yeah. I mean, listen, for those that know me, um, I am not a chef. I do not go to the grocery store. <laughs> I, I've got a few meals that I can cook successfully. Um, and I have learned a ton from just being around, uh, Brad and, and our other butcher, Mitchell Marable, um, who, who comes from Paradox Catering and, and Jimmy Gentry's operation. He's been a great cured meat guy, but yeah, these guys with their chef background, um, are going to be able to offer some great educational tools, tips, you know, ways to cook, things to think about when they're preparing their food, um, that and some insights that we just, you know, normal. You're not going to find in a regular butcher shop. That's for well. Sure. In fact, most of us go to places like Fresh Market or someplace like that. You go in there and they're so busy they got they got no more time than to say, "What do you want?" True. And they wrap it up, put it on the scales, hand it to you. Yeah. And so there's no time for, okay, I'm thinking about doing this. What do you think? And I got this kind of grill or the smoker and, and do you like that one? And, and what should I do? And do, do you wrap it up in that butcher paper and then put it back in? <laughs> That's right. That's it, right. Well, they're even working up recipe cards on how to cook things. They've great. been doing this um, before we've opened. So there's going to be strategies to, to help communicate some of this and give customers tips. But yeah, we really want this butcher shop to be a lot like Buster's, right? Just an extension of Buster's. Yeah. So when you walk in, you, you want to be able to talk to someone 
that hopefully knows what they're talking about, and I think uh, these guys do clearly. But, uh, yeah, just to offer some good advice. And how about, you know, the origins of the meat? Yeah. Like, hopefully, we'll you know, we're going to be working with quite a few different cattle farms. Um, People don't take a lot of cattle to raise right here, but there are. There's a lot of cattle that are raised right here. It's it's quite unbelievable to know how many people might have five heads of cattle or ten heads of cattle. And, uh, you know, and they see about processing them down. Yeah, I saw a thing the other day that said if you'll buy a whole cow or a half a cow, they'll throw in a free chest key, uh, freezer. I'm going... <laughs> But, you know, people are thinking different. They're not thinking the way they used to because it's, uh, you know, the price of everything goes up. So you start thinking, what if we buy in quantity? That's right. What can we get? Well, there's a lot of folks who put them in a deep freeze. Yeah. And then have meat for a couple of years by processing, you know, or buying half a cow or part of a cow. Um, And that's great until the power goes out. (laughs) And then your best friend is your guy with the generator. (laughs) That's it. That's it. Well, but, uh, we're looking forward to it. We're going to have you back in right before you open the butcher shop. So uh, yeah. let, let everybody know it's open. And thank you for doing this. Thanks, Earl. Appreciate everything yeah. you do. Too. Josh Hammond. All right, we're going to take a break. We'll come back. Stay with us. Now, back to the Earl Farrell for Memphis show, brought to you by Southern Security, your home team credit union, and by Kathy Thurman Edwards State Farm Insurance. Once again, Earl Farrell. And thank you very much, and uh, welcome back on this uh, Monday. Good having Josh Hammond in. And exciting stuff at the butcher shop and the new uh, Buster's location opening sometime before the end of the year out uh, over where Best Buy is and uh, Target there at I-240 in Poplar. Uh, in the old Halloween pop-up spirit shop. I said, hey, I just all have them wear Halloween costumes all the time. <laughs> it freak everybody out. Just year-round, they're wearing the, the Grim Reaper or <laughs> Superman costumes. A uh, couple of uh, things just uh, on the campaign trail. Chris Christie slams Trump prosecutor uh, in the Hunter Biden case. Uh, a lie or is incompetent, which I think everybody's pretty much hip to this. Former New Jersey governor and current Republican presidential candidate with like 1% of the um, uh, electoral out there interested in him. Nonetheless, he tore into U.S. Attorney David Weiss over a weekend over the plea deal that was offered to President Joe Biden's son, Hunter, uh, which, if you'll recall, it's like they got him in gun, weapons charges and tax evasion, and he's not going to serve a, a minute at a time. I mean, he, he should never be able to buy another gun, and yet he can't. With this deal he's got, if he doesn't do something stupid within a year, like, I think, do drugs. I think he's got to, that's the other thing. Are they going to drug test this guy? And and if they are, I mean, are they actually going to do it? That's the other big question out there. But said so he's expected not to face any jail time and to be given two years of probation. Uh, everybody's calling it a sweetheart deal. Well, the 53-year-old also reportedly entered a diversion program upon admitting the legal purchase of a firearm in 2018. The gun charge could be revoked from his record upon completion and, uh, and the diversion program, according to sources who spoke with the Post. Christie responded to the deal during an interview with Fox News, Fox News Sunday with host Shannon Bream. Uh, he said that uh, U.S. Attorney David Wise has to explain himself, and he has to explain himself in public, Christie said. You know, the fact is that this investigation of Hunter Biden in Delaware is either a lie or it's incompetence. There's no way that it should take five years to get a two-count misdemeanor tax plea and then dismiss the gun charges. 
Christie lambasted Democrats for pushing for more gun control while refusing to even enforce the gun laws that exist now, which I, I said the exact same thing, which he said Hunter Biden should have been charged under. So either David Weiss is incompetent or is taking five years to do that, or he's not telling the truth. I think what's happening is uh, he's he's even come out and told some people that he tried to go get an indictment in California, because that's where a lot of these crimes took place with Hunter, or in D.C., which is where a lot of crimes took place. They wouldn't let them cross uh, out of the state of Delaware, which limited the, the charges he could bring against Hunter Biden. And I think that he's been roadblocked every step of the way. And we now know IRS people are coming out saying they were told no, they couldn't talk to Joe, couldn't talk to Hunter, couldn't even mention anything about certain things. And all of which uh, contributed to the uh, mediocre uh, charges brought against uh, Hunter Biden. And then they just flaunted it, which I thought was another egregious thing. Is he puts him on to have big White House galas, and there's Hunter and his tuxedo smile, and everybody. They fly around. I'm surprised they didn't take him with him to England. Uh, so far, he hasn't emerged. That doesn't mean he's not there. Uh, but it's, uh, I think people are really getting to the point where they're just going, you know what? This thing don't look like it's going to float. I talked to several people I know that uh, are in law enforcement and said, they should be able to determine who that Coke that they found on the White House belonged to and where it was found, and the whole ball of wax should have been wrapped up in one day of investigations. And yet here it is. It's been seven days, and uh, they're still saying, well, we might not ever know who it belongs to. Well, the longer it goes, the, the shadier it gets. Just like they didn't know who the laptop belonged to, except Hunter Biden's face was all over it, and, and emails. To, I mean, it's... it's but it's like the bigger the lie, the easier it is for them to tell. And they've been telling it for so long. But now you've even got people like NBC's Chuck Todd uh, who are saying uh, that uh, uh, the GOP is trying to exploit Biden over acknowledging his seventh grand- grandchild. That's Chuck Todd on NBC talking about it. And he's, he's in there with Whoopi Goldberg saying, they shouldn't be talking about that, but you bet they would be talking about it if it was Trump's grandchild. And then you've got people like uh, Maureen Dowd who came out with a op-ed piece uh, saying that, hey, you do have seven grandchildren, Mr. President, and you need to, uh, to admit it and to say, hey, this is my grandchild and there's nothing you can do about it. You may not like it, but it's still your grandchild, and that means you got seven instead of six. And... Then you've got uh, uh, all the rest of this. you got all this talk about uh, Newsom out of California, uh, who is uh, all of a sudden popping up. Uh, I think he was in Utah. What is uh, Newsom, the governor of California, who may or may not be considered a candidate for president, doing in Utah except exploring, uh, you know, uh, donors and, and feeling to get an idea of, of uh, what people think. Remember when he came to the White House last year and Biden was someplace and they snuck him in the back door. They showed him coming up to the back door of the White House with his jacket off, had it slung over his shoulder and just, oh, just uh, coming in to meet a few folks. Uh, yeah, like the chief of staff, but the Biden wasn't there. Neither was Kamala, I don't think. And so I think what you're seeing is uh, they're trying to figure out a way to get Newsom in 
as the candidate uh, and and work him around Kamala because she's going to be kicking. If they're going to if they're going to come up with a new candidate instead of Biden, and just seeing him today in England was just it was it's tragic. It really is. I mean, if you, if you saw your own grandfather out there, you're making him review the troops and he can barely walk in front of him, and he's it looks like. I mean, it's just not right. I I I, I hold all of those people in contempt, his wife especially. I mean, I guarantee you my wife would be the first one to say, you don't need to be doing this. I mean, she won't even let me get on a ladder now, so I know she wouldn't go out in public if I was, if I was in the shape that uh, Joe Biden is in. And I think anybody else that loves somebody is not going to let them do that. But I think at a certain point, uh, they, were all, they were all telling her, no, no, he's, Joe's going to win. He's going to win. We got to, you got to get him to run again. Well, they got him to run again. Now she wants, she likes it. I don't think she wants to go anywhere. In fact, I think she would just step in and uh, do become the president de facto the way FDR's wife, Ellerda did years ago. And, um, uh, way other people in the, in the Senate have done when a spouse is incapacitated or dies. But I think that the, the Democrat party has other ideas. I think uh, Newsom is their idea. It's not Kamala. Her ratings are lower than Biden's. And I think what they're looking for is how can we get rid of her? That's why I think they're good. It may be far-fetched, but what the heck is not far-fetched anymore? They're going to hang the uh, cocaine deal on Kamala. <laughs> I mean, that's the way they work, you know what? They get, put that rap on her, and, and, and it takes a long time. They'll, they'll drag that out for two years in courts. In the meantime, they say, well, you need to resign because we can't have somebody that's involved in drugs. We can have a, a, a son of the president and the president out making deals with all these other countries. We certainly not have a vice president bringing coke into the White House. That's Hunter's job. So, But if they can get rid of her, that opens up uh, the, the track to the White House. And then they tell Joe he's too, uh, too bad a shape. But for the good of the country, you need to... Not step down as president. We'll let you finish out your term, but we need to, somebody else to run for the next term because you know you're going to be like old as dirt by then. And so then he finishes out the term. They get some new guy in there and runs for president. I just don't think uh, that uh, Newsom is is it. I mean, look what he's done to California. Look what Joe's done to this country. I mean, you got out to eat lately? I mean, I got some Mexican food to go the other night for the three of us, and it was seventy bucks. 70 bucks for Mexican food. And that was Taco Bell. No, I'm kidding. It wasn't. <laughs> but it ain't cheap at Taco Bell anymore either. I don't know if you've been there or not. So uh, I just think that they're going to have, they, they, they're in a quandary. They don't know what they're going to do. But they got to do something. They can't let this thing drag out too much longer because it, then uh, the president's going to squawk. Kamala's going to squawk. <laughs> There's going to be a lot of squawking going on, I guarantee you. So this should be some very interesting times. And then when you start seeing the, the even the White House uh, uh, st- news media at the, that are covering the White House, starting to ask a lot of questions and want to know uh, what's going on. And then you get the press secretary going, yummy, 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 <laughs> which is what she's pretty much doing now. Uh, it means things are getting interesting. So we'll continue to watch it. Right now, we got to take a break, and then we'll be right back to wrap things up. And welcome back. We're talking about Gavin Newsom. And apparently, he's obsessed uh, with Fox News. He's, he's 
says he watches it all the time. In fact, as uh, he says, his staff has uh, even tried to have interventions with him over his pension for watching the Fox News Network, telling the inside uh, that host that he tunes in every night in a quest to quote unquote understand. Newsom clarified he wasn't tuning in to understand how the other side thinks, but to look for patterns. Um, here's a soundbite of him talking about that. Cut four. So as you as you reflect on what you've learned here from talking to these legislators, are there different ways you're going to talk about issues like gun violence and the need for gun safety measures or abortion rights? Is there a messaging and language issue or is it more you say the same thing to everybody and there's more people with you than you think? The one thing I heard from everybody, including the caucus today, is they're so upset about being on the defensive. Mm -hmm. They're so upset about the messaging on the other side, the anger industry, the entertainment wing, particularly of the Republican Party, the surround sound on Fox with these you know, I don't even like saying his name, Tucker Carlson, mm -hmm. or that other, I don't even know, the guy from the, I mean, it's just like, they're all the same. And One American News and Newsmax, and, and what they're doing to divide this country to, you know, where illusion rules, not facts. Do Gosh. you occasionally turn on Fox no. time and see what happens? No. Just to see? Not occasionally. Um, every night. Every night. And do you think Democrats should still be appearing on Fox, or should they not be appearing on uh, Fox? It contributes to the mental health crisis in the state, so on the basis of one's own personal <laughs> conditions, I would not recommend it. My staff is quite literally tried to have interventions with me about it. They say I'm too obsessed with it, but I need to understand it. You want to know what the other side thinks? I don't want to know what they think. I want to see the patterns and what you see are patterns that emerge. Uh, so there you are. And he says uh, he's denied any plans to challenge Biden for the 2024 Democratic presidential nomination. But this Rob Strutzman a Republican consultant in California observed that the, as the governor recently stumped for Biden in red states across the country, he seemed like a candidate in waiting. As I said, he was out in Utah, I think today, and uh, he does it. And I'd heard this, uh, that he said, go out and stump for Biden and say what a great job he's done and he's the man for the job. And then when they put the fade on him, then you step in and say, but would I take his place? Yes. And and because I feel it's my duty to come in, I can just hear Clint doing it. Oh, gosh, I was just sitting out there doing nothing, and uh, all of a sudden, <laughs> by day looking so good, I figure I'll step in. And, uh, in, in fact, uh, Newsom really reminds me a lot of Slick Willie in that respect. I mean, and he's, uh, but he's, at least Clinton had a good record in, in Arkansas. They balanced the budget. I mean, forget about uh, Whitewater and some of the other, uh, crooked deals he was involved with with Hillary. But as far as the state was concerned, it was it was in good shape. And then he went to Washington and even balanced the budget in Washington. If he could have just left uh, Monica alone, that, that probably would have been a pretty good uh, run he had there. But uh, I just I think that the – I love what the Newsom was saying, though. He said, I, I just don't – the, 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 it's the Fox News that's dividing the country. No, it's not. It's everything else. It's all these, all, every other network that's uh, out there is, uh, you know, talking about uh, the entire Democrat agenda. That's what they talk about every single day. And so you've got people on Fox that are sitting there saying, here's the other side of the coin. And then you look at the number of people that are watching them and how many people are watching the MSNBCs and the CNN. Nobody is. Just like the people showing up to see Joe Biden. Nobody shows up to see Joe Biden. 
I mean, he was at the beat, for goodness sake, this uh, past weekend for the fourth. Goes out there on his little towel and has his little hat on, takes his shirt off. I guess he was trying to upstage uh, Robert uh, Kennedy Jr., who was recently, he's like 69. He was out with his shirt off doing push-ups in a park. Guy looks like he's 25. I mean, the guy is ripped. And Joe goes, remember the guy they challenged to, to wrestle? Do you want to get out and wrestle? If you got down, you could not get up. We see you try to get up. They got to have three guys help you when you tripped on the stage at the Air Force Academy the other day. And uh, so it is it it is really um, amazing uh, what's what's happening and what's going on. So it'll be uh, even more interesting as as we continue to move along. Uh, on the bright side of things, though, and I think you would probably agree with this, 97% of pet owners, Say their animals are part of the family, a survey showed. I don't think you needed to take a survey for that. I mean, we've never had a dog or a cat. And, and if you look at the just the way people treat their dogs and cats, I mean, you see it on Facebook all the time. Somebody loses. I saw a poor girl lost her horse that died. And it just it's heartbreaking. I mean, these are animals, to be sure. But uh, I think the best thing that animals have going for them is they never say anything bad about you. They never never talk bad about you when you leave the room. <laughs> and uh, they're always there for you. And uh, But it says uh, nearly all pet owners, 97% to be exact, say their pets are part of their family, according to a new survey. And more than half, 51%, even consider their animals as much a part of the family as their human relatives. And I don't think you can go that far. I mean, they're, they're certainly... But when it comes to, I mean, you got to separate the people. You got to take me at least one level above the the the, the turtle and the, and the cat. Uh, groups are found more likely to feel this way are women, people with lower family incomes, and urban dwellers, according to research. A pet owner's marital status was also found to affect the results. Those who are married and are parents to children tend not to regard their pets as human family members, whereas unmarried pet owners and those without kids living at home do so. Demographics such as age, race, ethnicity, and others hand uh, did not have a consistent bearing on the results. I do think especially a lot of people who live alone, I mean, because that's their only companion. And uh, goodness, you see them uh, driving around in cars. They've got them up in their lap, hanging out over their arm, out the window. Uh, They're... uh, uh, they're a big part of their lives, and, and in many cases, they actually life-saving with those people. Anyway, give your dog a cat a big hug for me, and um, we'll see you tomorrow. Same time, same station, right here. Have a safe night. <laughs>